0: people i love you guys oh father we thank you lord Lord, holy spirit i just lord welcome your presence lord i don't want my words to be heard lord i want you to be heard today lord so lord i pray for every person every heart here my god i pray against tiredness i pray against anything that will will hinder any distractions right now in the name of jesus and Lord, I pray for your, your spirit to touch every heart. Lord, even the words that I've written down here, I pray as I, I speak them out, Lord, I pray that your spirit will speak into the hearts of your people, Lord. And Lord, refresh, give hope and a future, my God, for your people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I will put my glasses on. When you get to my age, 27, <laughs> your eyes are going. It's hot in here, yeah? I'm in the light. Am I? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you're amazing, Lord. Love you, Lord. Uh, so this preach is what well, it has been entitled uh, entitled titled learning from Moses. Um, I wasn't the one who picked that uh, that name. It was already given to me when I, I was assigned this preach. But if I was to give this a name myself, I would say um, cracks in clay jars or um, treasures in earthen vessels, something like that. I'm not sure. You'll find out later on as I go through it. We've, gone, we've had some wonderful words um, as we've gone through the uh, book of Acts. We're, we're going through the book of Acts. We're actually in um, chapter 7 at the moment, and we've had some encouraging words, some uh, wonderful words from, from uh, those who preached. Um, we've got to the stage now where... Uh, Stephen has been detained by the Sanhedrin, and he 's been taken to the the high priest to give an account of the miracles that are happening through him, you know the hope he has in Jesus the, the wonders that happen and they, the, the, the pharisees didn 't like this; they arrested him for it, and they took him to the high priest and they said you know they 've come up with some accusations, and he 's here to give an account now Stephen starts. A kind of monologue, and he goes on about historical things. And he speaks. Uh, he starts speaking about Abraham through Isaac and Jacob, um, then the twelve sons of Israel. And then he 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 gets to a point. At this point, when he starts to talk about Moses, um, and he he, he's, he talks about the burning bush and how Moses met Jesus uh, met the God in the, at the burning bush. Actually, it was Jesus, but I don't want to even go there tonight. <laughs> where uh, God changes Moses uh, and charges him with the the daunting task of going to Pharaoh and commanding him to let my people go. So we start uh, our reading from Acts 7, 35 to 39. Uh, If you've got Bibles, you can turn there. Otherwise, I'll just read it. And you just have to trust me that it's real, (laughs) that I'm not lying to you. This is what was written. So Acts uh, 7, is uh, 35, it says, This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you ruler and judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and in the Red Sea and in uh, the wilderness for 40 years. This Moses, who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles uh, uh, to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts, they turned to Egypt. They turned back. To Egypt, where they were slaves, where they were where they were uh, being mistreated, they rejected Moses, and they turned back to Egypt. See, Moses listened to God. He believed God. He believed God was faithful. He believed I better keep my glasses down, I won't see my notes. (laughs) He believed God was faithful and would do everything that God that God, he, that everything that God said He would do, He believed Him who was faithful, and He prophesied the coming of the Messiah. If you read Moses, if you read the book of Moses, and you read the prophets, you will see Messiah in there. You will see Jesus in those that book. Uh, and in Deuteronomy, is part of part of what Moses wrote, it, it, uh, eighteen. He says, "The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among." your people. Uh, You must listen to him, it says. And then when Jesus was confronted, after Jesus came, this one that Moses prophesied would come, and he was confronted by the Pharisees, Jesus said to them, you diligently study the scriptures because you think by them you have eternal life. But these are the same scriptures that speak of me, and yet you fail to come to me to have life, that I may give you life. They were studying this. They were studying the book of Moses. They were going through the book of Moses, and they were seeing all these prophecies about the Messiah. and they, And they were going through the the scriptures, the prophets, and they were seeing all these prophecies about Jesus, the Messiah. and And yet, still, they rejected him when he came. Jesus goes on to say. Uh, Do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, whom your hopes are set on. If you believe Moses, you would believe me and believe what he wrote. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? The Jews listened to the message and yet rejected the one who, the messenger. They rejected the one who was sent. Moses and then when the Messiah came the one that that the the Jews that um, sorry the Moses prophesied about they went on and rejected him as well and in them and like I said in the, in the gospel in the the Old Testament there are glimpses of the Messiah that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he was to come and fulfill the law and the prophets, and he would die on the cross. It's in there that he would die for our sins, that he would raise from the dead. It's in the, the law and the prophets, and it was in there. It's what, what Moses preached. And I can't understand, and I don't know about you, but the miracles that happened when Moses led the people out. The, the miracles that happened in Egypt, the, 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 the plagues that God used Moses to, to, to uh, uh, um, bring upon the Israelites, the, the parting of the Red Sea, the, the angel of death that, that killed the first spoon on every single one, including cattle, and yet those who were under the blood were saved, those who had the blood on the doors posts and lintels was saved they saw that and that's the blood of Christ and that's the picture of the blood of Christ that when you are under the blood when you're under that God saves you God protects you and yet after they' seen that after they see the Red sea parting and they walk on dry ground after they see the 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 cloud of, or, or by, by day, following them and leading them, and the fire, pillar of fire, by night, leading them, they still rejected the message. They still reject, I can't understand it. And in doing so, they reject the Messiah. Moses', Moses face, when he met with, with God, it shone the glory of God shone out of him. So when he came out of the presence of God after meeting with him, his face was a light. And the Israelites would beg him to cover his face because they were so afraid of the glory. They were so afraid of the glory of God on Moses that they begged him, please cover your face. We don't want to see it. And they hid from the glory of God, and in doing so, they hid from God. Paul says in, uh, in two Corinthians: "Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil, like I just said, over his friend's face to prevent the uh, the Israelites from seeing what was passing away, what was fading. But their minds were made dull, and for for this day that." From For this day, this the veil still remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Only in Jesus can this veil be taken away. And even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil covers their hearts, it says. And Paul goes on to say, but whenever anyone comes to the Lord the veil is taken away. Whenever someone comes to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And then he says this wonderful thing. And we all, with unveiled faces, reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Wow. Which comes from the law, which is the Spirit. The Bible says that we, that's you and me. When we behold, as Marius was said, when we take that ring, I love that, I love that picture. When we behold that relationship, when we have that relationship, when we behold Jesus, that glory, we go from glory to glory. We're being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Spirit. That's wonderful. Does anyone watch the um, Pottery Throwdown? Does anyone watch the Pottery Throwdown? Anybody? One person? Two people? Three, four, five? Uh, Darling, you watch it with me as well. Yeah, Put your hand up. (laughs) Well, the Pottery Throwdown, it's a wonderful program. I love it. What it is, they've got groups of contestants, they all do pottery, and, they, and one person is eliminated every week, but they have these, these tasks that they do, and it's all different every week. Now, this week, I don't know if you, anyone saw it, this episode, um, the potters were uh, tasked with the task of, of creating a lamp lampshade, yeah? and they took, they took um, black uh, clay, and white porcelain. And out of these white, black and white porcelain, they had to create a lampshade, okay? And one such guy, one of the potters, he took the porcelain and he rolled it out really, really thin, and he chose, he thought, I'm gonna make a blanket out of it, to make it look like a blanket. So he, he, he pushed the clay and made it into the shape of a blanket, but really thing was really delicate. And then they, they, they put all the things in the kiln and when it came out of the kiln, this blanket shape uh, was full of cracks. It cracked. It was floors everywhere. Because it was so thin, it just it just wasn't uh, strong enough. And if you know anything about the pottery throwdown, that cracks are a no, no. <laughs> if you come with a, a, a jar and it's got cracks in it, and you put water it's going to spill out. But yeah, so they're like, you know, if you've watched that program, you'll know they hate that when there's cracks on, on your, your pottery. But yet, what happened, something really amazing, and, that, and it spoke to me while I, while I watched this. They put this, this lamp that he created under the light and turned the light on, and then the cracks illuminated. Out of the cracks of this porcelain came this wonderful light. And it was beautiful. It it actually made the lampstand just burst. It was wonderful. And the judges loved it. They would normally say, no cracks, no, no, no. But here they just went, wow, this is amazing. They They loved the floors. They loved how the light shone out of the floors. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, we have this treasure in clay jars, in clay jars, to show that this surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're not perfect, guys. I'm not perfect. We're full of cracks. We're full of flaws. Our lives are... are, are, are not perfect. And anyone who tells you they're, they're perfect, I'm fine, there's nothing wrong with me, is it's not, it's not telling you the truth. They're not showing you the cracks of their lives. But when we allow God, his light, his spirit in us, to shine out of us, out of those cracks, it's beautiful because, because they see, people see the spirit of God in you even through your cracks of your life. And God uses you, even though you've got cracks in your life. You see, people would never trust anyone who thinks they're perfect. I'm telling you, it's true. People just don't believe someone who's who's squeaky clean. They don't believe it because they know what they're like. So therefore, they're not going to believe that you're just perfect. They don't trust people who don't show their vulnerabilities. But God uses those who have imperfections, like us. There's only one perfect, and that is God. But Jesus shining through the cracks of our lives. And, and we see him. They see him in us. And people are drawn to that. That's why God chooses the lonely and the weak. In, Paul, Paul says in Corinthians, I, I, there's a lot of Corinthians in this, this preaching today. <laughs> Paul says in Corinthians, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. He chose you and he chose me. Jesus chose the rough fishermen. He chose the despised tax collectors. He chose fishermen. Fishermen. he chose mud-covered hands of the farmers. He chose. He chose uh, th- those who were regarded as as of no importance by the world to put to shame those who regarded themselves as important. He chooses me, and he chooses you. Moses, the one we're talking about in this story, the great lawgiver, probably had a, de- a speech defect. He he argued with God when he was chosen, and he says in Exodus four, "Oh Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past, since you spoke, to, or since your, you spoke to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue." He argued with God. He pleaded with God. He said, Exodus 6, he says, I, I'm, I'm of uncircumcised lips. How would Pharaoh he, listen to me? How would Pharaoh listen to me? Who am I to go to this great Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go? The, the identity of, of Pharaoh in the, in the Moses stories has been much debated but uh, many scholars are inclined to believe that this is Rameses II. I'm not sure that's true. But Rameses II, or Ramesses the Great, as, as, as they, he was sometimes called, is often regarded as the greatest and most celebrated and most powerful pharaoh of the new kingdom. Uh, and the kingdom itself is, is probably the most powerful of the ancient, ancient Egypt. He was widely considered as ancient um, ancient Egypt's most successful warrior pharaoh, conducting no fewer than 15 military campaigns. Imagine that. And every one resulting in victory, except one. (laughs) This Moses, the one we're talking about, this is the one Moses had to confront. And come to him and say, let my people go. Imagine that. Before this, Moses ran away in fear. He hid. He was afraid because he, th- he thought once Pharaoh finds out that, the, uh, that he killed an Egyptian. You know Moses killed an Egyptian. Does everyone know that? Yeah. So Moses killed an Egyptian. He was afraid that he would be exposed and then that Pharaoh would have him put to death. I and mean, he was already outed by one of his own own people when he said that one of the israelites said to him are you going to kill me also like you did the other egyptian yesterday moses ran away in fear and he disappeared for 40 years 40 years before he met god at the burning bush it was 40 years before god brought him back you know, I used to be a carpenter. Does everyone know I was a carpenter? Yeah. Before I was a game designer. But I w- <laughs> that was many years ago. Working with my hands to make a living. I was covered in dust, sawdust, for most of, uh, of, the, of my working days. Uh, and my pockets and boots also had, I would come home and, and, and dust would be falling out of my bo- boots when I took them off. I had cuts and bruises on my hands where I even slipped with a saw or banged myself with a hammer and sometimes even a knife. I have the scars, I can prove it to you. You know, I I was a good carpenter, so don't think that. (laughs) Uh, But God chose me and he he chooses to use me. I remember driving home one day, coming home from a, a job in in the east end of London, somewhere near Bow, uh, and I was tired, I was dusty, I was hungry, uh, jeans cut, ripped at the, at the knees, not intentionally. <laughs> I, did, I didn't buy them like that. I know you can buy them nowadays, but in those days, they, they came with the, the territory. <laughs> I was hungry I couldn't wait to get home to get myself something to eat. But then I thought, I'm just going to stop at the nearest newsagent, grab myself a drink, grab myself a bar of chocolate just to tide me over. So the first newsagent I saw, I I thought, right, this is it. I'm going to pull over. And I started to pull over. And the Spirit of God in me, because I was a believer at that time, just went, no. No. You know the kind of feeling when you get that, oh, Feel it in your, in your stomach. And it's like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And that's what the Spirit was saying to me. So I thought, okay, I'm going to drive. I'll, I'll find the next newsagent. Yeah, okay, Lord, I won't stop here. So I carried on going. And I thought, I saw another one coming up. And I thought, oh, this is the one. I'm going to stop here. So I'm getting excited now. I'm going to get my chocolate. I'm going to get my, <laughs> my drink. And as I come to approach the newsagent, I go to pull over. And again, the Spirit of God in me went, no. Not here. And I went, oh God, okay. So I drive past the news agent. My, my tummy was rumbling. <laughs> I was dreaming of the chocolate. I was looking back in my rear new mirror as, as the <laughs> as the news agent disappeared and my chocolate drink disappeared with it. And I and I thought, oh Lord. And at this point I was I was thinking. God's trying to say, oh, tell me something here. And it's not because I I put on too much weight. Uh, So I started started to, I thought, before I get to the next one, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, you know, what's going on. So I I actually saw one coming up and I thought, oh, brilliant. This is the next one. And I said, Jesus, Holy Spirit, this one? And he went, yes. Yes, I'm going to get my chocolate. I'm going to get my drink. I was so excited. So I jumped out, and I, I decided that I, need, I deserve two chocolates now. <laughs> so <laughs> amen. so I jumped out. I marched into the, into the newsagents, and as I walked in, there was, there was uh, the drinks there on the side. I opened up the fridge, pulled out a Dr. Pepper. That's what you do. And uh, I, I don't know what flavor Dr. Pepper is. Everyone had a Dr. Pepper before? There's no, I don't know what the flavour is, and then I scanned, I scanned the news newsagents, and I saw that I spotted the chocolates right at the front front counter. I thought brilliant. Went over there, picked up a Mars bar, picked up a Snickers bar, put them both on drink, on the t- Snickers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then I started to rummage through my dust falling out of my pockets. I was trying looking for change to pay for the drink, and I hadn't looked up yet. I hadn't even looked at who was behind the counter. I was, I had, my mission was to get this drink, get this chocolates in me, and I didn't care about anything else. And as I was looking for change, I heard the man behind the counter. And he said to me, in a sad voice, life is good for you, isn't it? What? I looked up. I just saw him just just a dark skinned young guy and actually he had one hand missing so his right hand was missing and not I noticed that and I, went, life life is good for me what a question to you know you would think you know and i just said oh yeah yeah i, su- I suppose suppose it is yeah life is good and he said to me i can see that what? I was starting to feel ambushed by God. This wasn't about me. This wasn't about my drink and my chocolates. But this mission was about this guy. God had led a tired, dirty, smelly, bruised, cut carpenter, full of flaws, full of cracks, to this news agent, to this man and on top of all that this man saw something he saw beyond the dirt he saw beyond the cracks and he saw something in me that kind of must have shone out of those cracks because for As far as he knew, this dust-covered carpenter, for this dust-covered carpenter, life was good. He sent something. And it was at this point, I was no longer thinking of my belly. I was desperately trying to figure out what the Holy Spirit wanted to do with this man. So I started to probe. And I was desperately searching. So I, I said to him, do you believe in God? And he said, "Um, yeah, I'm a Muslim. And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders like that. And it's at this point that I heard the Holy Spirit ask a question. I heard the words come out of my mouth as if I didn't speak them, but something in me was speaking them. And the Holy Spirit said, ask this man, what has your God ever done for you? He went quiet. He hung his head and didn't say anything. He just stood there in silence, looking at actually looking at the floor. And then finally, he lifted his head, looked me in the eyes, sadness in his eyes, and he said, absolutely nothing, wow. Let me tell you what my God has done for me. I said, and I told him about the goodness of God the Father who sent his one and only son into the world to rescue his sons and his daughters. I told him that God had laid upon him the punishment of us all. That we were bound like slaves, slaves to sin. And the punishment that should have been ours, he laid upon Jesus. So that those who believed in him would have everlasting life. I told him that Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the dead Because death could not hold him. It was impossible for death to hold this Jesus. And he ascended into heaven. I told him that he now sits with the Father to intercede for me and for you, it seems like. Because he sent me here today for you. I thought it was about chocolates and drinks, but I'm here for you. I told him that if he puts his trust in Jesus, that if he looks to him as, as his Lord and Saviour, oh, he will forgive him because he is faithful and he is true. Because he takes up our infirmities. He carries our sorrow. The punishment that should have been ours was upon him and by his stripes we are healed the man looked at me and i could see tears in his eyes he was crying the spirit of god had touched his heart just with those few words that i spoke to him his countenance has changed he was no longer sad there were there were tears of hope that's what i sensed i sensed the holy spirit had given him hope a new way, not the old way of a God who he did absolutely nothing. That's his own words, absolutely nothing. But a God who loves us, the God who cares for us, a God who goes out of his way to find us, a God who sends a, a, a dirty, smelly, dust-covered carpenter with tears in his jeans, cuts on his hands, Cracks in his life for this man. He thanked me, and he thanked me again, and he thanked me again. And as I took my drink, I did pay for them, by the way. <laughs> took my drink and chocolate, walked out of the shop. He was thanking me even as I was walking out of the shop. The joy of the Lord was was on me then. I walked out, and I just felt this presence of God over me. I was no longer hungry. I jumped into the van. I threw the chocolate and the, the, the drinks aside, the drink and the chocolates aside on the seat. And I just went and praised God all the way home. I was so thankful that God had chosen me and humbled, I was so humbled that he sent me to this, this man. I could sense the Holy Spirit on me as I I left. I was so, so pleased that God had used me. I don't know what happened to this man after, but I, I believe that God had a purpose and a plan for his life. I believe that God has a purpose and a plan for your lives. It's not the cracks in our clay that define us. It's the Spirit of God that shines out through those cracks that people can see. God wants to use you, even as you are flawed. We're all flawed. We all have cracks. We all have bad days. God wants to use you. God wants to call you. If you've never heard the message of hope before, God is calling you tonight into his kingdom. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Jesus, thank you. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that it's not the cracks in our lives that define us. It makes us who we are, Lord. Is that you choose to use us, earthen vessels, my God, clay jars with cracks, my God, for your glory, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you chose us, that you predestined us, that you wanted us to be go from glory to be like your son and go from glory to glory, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is in us, my God, and then people are drawn to that, my God. Lord, we ask, my God, that you use us, my God, for your, your kingdom, my God. We ask, my God, that you, Lord, give us opportunities and divine appointments, my God, that you will lead us to those of your sons and daughters who are lost, my God, who are, are wandering in this world, wondering why God doesn't hear them, wondering why God doesn't love them. But you do, Father. Lord, give us divine opportunities, divine appointments. We are open to you, my God. And we ask, my God, that you use us for your shine. Use us for your glory, Lord. Shine out of the cracks of our lives, my God. Amen.